got some handouts coming your way. We've got some pens. And so I hope that you would uh, jot down some notes. I'm going to ask you a few questions that are uh, really for you only to answer. And so uh, if I don't see you writing, I will either call on you or I will get the laser pointer after you here. So uh, please uh, be active there. But I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we'll jump into really one question we're going to grapple with this morning here. So why don't you guys, let's just bow our heads one more time here and just ask God to redeem our time together. Well, Heavenly Father, we do just want to look to you this morning. We thank you for a chance to come together and and have fellowship and uh, have a time just to to worship you and and call on you and trust that you'll answer us and come to our rescue. And, And Lord, I do pray and just call out to you this morning that you would speak to every one of us here, myself included, that you would help us to hear from you something that that you want to engage with us on this year or even this day. And I ask you to help us to hear from you, help us to respond to you in faith and love and obedience. And, and God, we just welcome your presence here. I ask that you would again, we just give you permission to speak to us through your word and through your spirit. And we ask for this together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I am not sure uh, if, if you guys know what you... You came for today. Here we have a, we have one question that really I think I think God wants to confront you and I with. He he uh, confronted me with this question here this week, and I've been wrestling with it. and And I thought, why wrestle alone? I'll pass this on to you. You can join in the fun here. Um, but the question that we're going to tackle this morning is this: What is something impossible that you are believing God for this year? What is something impossible that you're believing God for this year? Now, most of you probably didn't roll out of bed and, and, you know, get your cup of coffee and go, God, yes, impossible. That's what I want to do today. Something impossible. Something impossible this year. Sounds fun. Sounds easy. I bet my pastor is going to ask me about this this morning. Um, and, and maybe you didn't, and that's okay. We'll, we'll warm up to uh, wrestling with this question. But I do think it's something God has for every one of you, and, and myself included, uh, to tackle this question, to engage with this question. And so, and so we're going to do that here. And, and really we might start with, uh, you know, what are you believing God for? Maybe you're not yet believing God for something impossible, and that's okay. We want to we get there. I think one of the steps along the way we can modify the question just a little bit here is, what is something impossible that God might want you to trust him with? If you're going to believe him for the impossible, a good starting point might be, what is something God wants you to trust him for this year? What is something God has that might be impossible, or at least you might think it's impossible, that he would like you to engage with this year? And so, and we'll start there. And, and really, we start by asking God, God, what, what do you want? I want to read a quote to you. Um, it's uh, from a book I've started reading uh, this year. It's the beginning of the year. How many of you have started reading books this year? It's, you, it's what you do at the beginning of the year, right? Resolutions. I'm hoping to finish this book that I started by the end of the year. Um, I'm not a natural born reader, but um, one of them that I'm reading, I've actually started two of them, so that's, that's even better. Um, but we'll see if I finish. One is from Bill Bright, but it's, it's really related to this question. And it's an older book. It was written in 1979 before many of you were born, um, but not me. Uh, but 
But the book is called uh, Believing God for the Impossible. And, and in this book, uh, one of the early chapters here, he, he has a quote from a professor who, who taught him along the way. And this, this professor wrote a book entitled The Strong Name. But this is the quote that really stood out to Bill Bright. And it was this. It said, If we could show the world that being committed to Christ is no tame, humdrum, sheltered monotony, but the most exciting adventure the human spirit can ever know... Those who've been standing outside the church and looking ensconced at Christ will come crowding in to pay allegiance, and we may well expect the greatest spiritual revival since the Pentecost. But if we as Christians gave people a look that the Christian life is, is not tame, it's not humdrum, it's not some sort of sheltered monotony, people would see that. And his point was, and Bill Bright goes on to to say, you know, he, he really believed it was true. If we gave them a look of something that was exciting, others would want to join in. They want, would want to know where is this coming from. And, and he goes on to talk about how our faith really engages God to do things that are uh, supernatural, things that are not humdrum or tame. And so, really with this question, if you don't have anything that's impossible that you're believing God for this year, um, you know what it translates to is, you're going to engage with things that are entirely possible for you this year. And my guess is if you engage with things that can be done in the strength of man and the effort of man and the focus of man, they might tend towards being a little more tame than they would otherwise be, a little more humdrum, a little more monotony than God would call us to. And so I think we've got to somehow engage with something that would be otherwise impossible for us or we're just going to get the same old, same old. And I don't know about you, but, but I don't want that this year. And I, and I don't think God wants that for us either. And so, you know, one of the passages we're going to look at here just to kind of kick things off. If you read the one-year Bible at all, you might have seen this story already. It's from Genesis. Um, and it's Genesis chapter 17 and 18. But it's, it's a situation where God presented something that he wanted to do in a year. Uh, he presented that to to Abraham and Sarah. And some of you might know the story. I'll just jump in here. Chapter 18, verse 6. Um, and it just says, So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get these three measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meats and he served it to these men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent, and Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. And said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it. Saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. You know, and, and just a, a few things stood out to me about this. We know the classic situation about how, um, I think Sarah, she laughed at this 
situation because, you know, if we're honest about it, it was kind of a laughable deal. She was 90 years old. Generally, 90-year-old women do not have a baby. Um, Generally, a 100-year-old husband does not help in the bringing about of a baby. Put those two together and and it is somewhat laughable. Now, I think Sarah often gets a bad rap for this because, uh, you know... uh, I don't know. If you read the previous chapter, what happens to Abraham? He's confronted with the same thing. God's talking to him in, in verse 17 here, or chapter 17, and it says this. But he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, God, i got another plan for you here. May Ishmael live under your special blessing. God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. Sarah, uh, Abraham had the same thing. He was laughing. He was in disbelief. You know, so it was laughable. And Sarah kind of gets in a little bit of trouble here. But it's not because she wasn't believing. I think it's because she lied, you know. She chuckled like, well, that, like that's ever going to happen. And God said, did, did you laugh? No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. If any of you have kids, you can relate to that. You get them on tape, videotape, or record them, and, and they would still... What are you talking about? They'd rather not get in trouble than sometimes tell the truth. That's what Sarah did there. Both of them laughed, but it was kind of a laughable thing. But the point was that, uh, you know, the Lord said, is anything too hard for me? And the Lord said, by this time next year, something that would be otherwise laughable is going to happen. And I want you to think about this next year for, for you. I think of this phrase here. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. And as you look at this year, I would wager that God has something he wants to do in your life that you might look at it right now and chuckle a little bit. Chuckle under your breath. You know, it's one thing when others laugh. Sometimes we set out in goals, people might laugh, you're crazy. It's a whole other thing when you laugh yourself, like, this is really crazy. Um, and, And there might be some of these things that God wants you to engage with this year, things that he would want to do that... uh, You might look back next year and laugh in a good way, but right now you might laugh out of fear or intimidation. And so um, I want you to be thinking about that. I think God has some things for us here. And so we're going to look at uh, four steps on how we can believe God for the impossible this year. Really four steps on on how to trust trust God to do the laughable in, in 2015. And the first one is simply this. We need to identify what God wants us to trust him with. You need to identify what God wants you to trust him with. I'm sharing these thoughts for each one of us personally, and they would apply to us as a whole church, and there's some things here that might be laughable that God would call us into as a church, but identify what God wants you to trust him with. And here, we're just going to go through a list of things that may spur on some thoughts, because the reality is there's probably more than one thing God wants you to engage in that would be laughable without his help, you know. And, and some of them aren't giant things. Maybe, um, maybe it's things like getting in shape physically or, or your physical health. Uh, maybe it's things like financially uh, tackling piles of debt or increasing income. Maybe it's relationally. God wants you to discontinue a certain relationship or begin a new relationship or, or something along those lines. Maybe it's emotionally and God wants to bring healing to something that you have not engaged with in years. Or, or maybe something even that just occurred this last year. Maybe it's uh, related to your character and there's a habit, uh, something of sin that God would like to change. That any one of these um, would be 
you know, it's not like it's completely impossible, but with God's help, you, you, maybe you've tried them before. Maybe it hasn't happened, and, and we need God's help to make it happen. Maybe it's something else. Uh, maybe, maybe this is the case. Maybe you already know what it is. Do you already have a sense of something God would have you engage with that you go, you know what, I know what it is and I'm afraid, I was afraid you'd say that. I had something like that, one example just from years back, I remember we were going to the Faith Walkers Conference that uh, started 12 years ago and I remember I was at the second Faith Walkers Conference and, and I was afraid, I just had this fear, they might, they might ask this question and the, the gist of the conference I came away with was what is the one faith step the one thing God wants you to do this year that you're, you're just not going to be able to do without faith. And for me, I knew what it was, and, and I was afraid of it. And it was that God would want me to go back to Colorado State University, where I was a pastor of the college group there. And I knew that God wanted me to engage the department head of philosophy in a debate on the subject of the problem of evil. And, and that scared the daylights out of me. And I am not a, a, a debater. I have very little debating experience, except for being married for 14 and a half years, and, and my wife usually wins those. And so, um, but somehow I knew that I had seen others do this before and engage in debates, and they had steps of faith that I knew God was calling me to imitate. And, and I just thought, no, it cannot be. And yet I knew it was. And and they made a movie out of it. It's called God's Not Dead. Have you seen that yet? No, just joking. They, 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 would have, they could have made a movie out of it. It would not have gotten as much uh, attention as the, the actual movie has here. But uh, same idea. And I felt like there were a lot of things that God brought about there. But my point is this, that maybe you know what that thing is that God would have you to engage with this year. Something that's been on the list, maybe for years, maybe just recently. Something that might actually scare the heck out of you. And, and bring that to the forefront. It might be some of these other things as well, some, some smaller things. Um, maybe it's something related to spiritual growth or related to God's vision for this church. I believe there's some scary things ahead for us there as well. Maybe it's something laughable, something that you just go, yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's probably it. Um, just like Abraham and Sarah. A few things, I, I just again to kind of feed your thinking on this. I, I start, the other book that I started that I pledged to finish by the end of the year, it's a 20-page booklet by um, this guy, uh, Jim Putman. No, I'm just joking. It's, it's 200 pages. But it's called Discipleship. And in this book, he talks about some shifts that he believes churches need to make to get back to the, the mandate of Jesus and, and make disciples in their churches and he talks about different things and he he shares this um, you know this diagram here it's fairly complicated five stages of discipleship and but what I, I would encourage you to think about is where are you at as a follower of Christ and where might God want to take you over the course of this year and I'm not talking about where have you been in the past not where have you been when you were single or in college or where are you at right now in your habits and things related to following Christ. And where does he want to take you? And he might just want to take you from one phase to the next. You know, some of the phases here, I hope you're not in this phase. The first phase of discipleship is called dead. I hope you're not dead. Um, but, you know, he's talking about spiritually. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, right, in he wrote in Ephesians 2.1 just about, As for you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions in which you once lived. But the starting place for every disciple is, is dead. And in order to move on from there, you must respond to the good news about Jesus Christ, and it's called being born again. And some of you, believing God for the impossible, might be becoming a Christian, 
believing God to, to make you into a new person, becoming born again. And maybe you've pretended to be a Christian for a number of years, like, like I did for 24 years. But there's something about being born again that might be on God's agenda for you this year. Or maybe you've been born again, you've been a believer for years, and you've been in this next phase he calls infant. And it's just people that are just... Uh, the Apostle Paul again writes to the Corinthians and calls them like infants, babies in Christ. And they're just so selfish and so there's so many things they don't know but think they know. This here describes that someone in that world is categorized by ignorance. There's just a lot you don't know. And you need to learn new truth and start new habits. And maybe you've been a Christian or, or born again for years and it's time to move out of infancy into the next phase here. He talks about children. Uh, being a child of God and growing in habits here, connecting to God, connecting to a small group family, connecting to your purpose. Another phase is maybe becoming a young adult, going from that into maybe you've had some of the basic habits, but it's time to begin serving. This one's characterized by being equipped to serve and, and uh, actually serving and making the most of those opportunities. Now, some of you might be in that, and the next step is this which phase they call being a parent. Paul talks about, he says, I wish there were more fathers. Uh, there's many teachers, many who give you their two cents about Jesus, because they've got two cents they've collected over the years. And, but it's time to become a spiritual parent, someone who helps someone go from being dead to infancy to growing as a child of God, to growing as a, a young follower of Christ or, you know, young in their faith, and to someone who begins to reproduce. And maybe it's time for you. Maybe you've never, ever led anyone to Christ. Maybe it's been years. Maybe you've never baptized someone. Maybe you've never seen someone begin to follow Christ, and this is the year. And you, you may have a history. I've talked to people. I just haven't seen this happen for years. I don't even know if it's possible. It might be laughable, and it might be time. Something God might have for you. We were as pastors in our pastors meeting this past week. We looked at other opportunities before us. You know, my hope is just to overwhelm you with a bunch of opportunities and then let you go deal with it and we'll catch you next week. But here's a few more. Um, as a church, we talked about things you know, that God might want us to have an increased influence in the Denver Highlands neighborhood. He's been giving us opportunities and, and we believe there's more ahead. Some of those might include doing the Firehouse 5K again. We, we did that several years and we were able to serve the local high school and get a lot of um, you know, good publicity in the neighborhood, but we didn't do it last year just because of challenges with resources and people with a heart to help with that. Maybe that's something this year. Nightlife, we, we had a Saturday night service and we brought that back together here. Um, and there's an opportunity there, but we can't do all of these all at once. Um, there's a few more here. International student ministry. We have some people with a heart that are praying about reaching international students. People from many different places in the world that are coming to this city and the campus down the street there at Auraria. And and there's opportunities there. And the campus ministry, we actually right now uh, need to restart our campus ministry. We've had one over the years, and, and yet you have to have a certain number of officers and things like that. And we've gotten to the point where we don't actually have enough to be a qualified student group on campus. Maybe God would want to restart that. We started a mercy or a compassion ministry this last year. Lots of help needed. We've done the FPU class, a financial piece, and we had a great response every time we've done anything pre-marriage related in the neighborhood. A lot of opportunities there. We're exploring, Tim Cavanaugh's exploring an opportunity with a, a ministry called Apartment Life, where you just, uh, an apartment just hands you opportunities to facilitate community, to do outreach, to invite people to church, and that's your, your world. You live there, and, and that's your job while you live there. Um, 
great opportunities. We've talked about, as you know, um, over the last year, exploring different locations, but the idea of launching a Firehouse South service, and, and that's something that's before us this year, and we've got to figure out what does God want there. There's opportunities to step up, serving opportunities, and in ways that people need to, to step up that maybe they haven't before, and maybe that's you. We've talked about mission trips. You know, over the years as a church, we've done a number. We started off doing a number of domestic mission trips. We sent a team to El Paso one year. We sent a team to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina one year. We sent a mission trip to Phoenix one year and a team out to Seattle. A couple years ago, we sent a team to Asia. And yet it's been a number of years that we've sent a mission team anywhere. It seems like our time and our money and our people are so limited. How can we do any of this? And yet... I think God would have us do something like that this year. We've got a spring break team coming out this year from Omaha. It's a neat opportunity, but there's going to be probably 60, uh, 60 students that are just looking to do something wild and crazy, and, and we've got to figure out how to, how to point them in the right direction and, you know, get ready to... We've got to talk to the police of, of Denver first to make sure there's no... Got our channels worked out there, and no, that's rarely happened, guys from Omaha there. Um, you know, it really hasn't. Um, but uh, so many opportunities here, guys, to think about. So, um, but, you know, I just want to share one laughable thing that uh, we've seen as a church in recent years. Some of you might recognize this picture here. Anyone recognize this? Uh, you know, this is, this is where you are now sitting. And, and the garage door is the garage door in the back where the garage is. And this is all the furniture we were provided with when we started here at this place. And, um, but this was after probably several mission teams, several many, many hours of cleanup. Because this is what it actually looked like before that. There's a picture of... Um, this warehouse, if you're standing up by the cafe looking through this warehouse five years ago, this is what you would have seen. A lot of junk, a lot of dust. And, and I remember um, this spring, five years ago this spring, we began researching... Um, where God wanted us to go as a church. We had a church we were meeting at down the street here, the Asbury, and they said, hey, a bigger church wants to come in. You're just paying a little bit of rent for the basements once a week. They want to pay for the whole thing all the time. So, sorry, uh, go, go, good luck, go find another place. And we started talking with people in the neighborhood, but we talked to this landlord here, and he said, you know, yeah, you guys could maybe do something here. Just got to clean it up a little bit. Um, but I remember he gave us a key last, I mean, a spring going on five years ago. And he said, here's the key. Go check it out whenever you want. And, and so I remember, it might have been April, um, almost five years ago, and we walked in here with our leadership team. And we walked into this pile of junk and we circled it up. And we said, guys, uh, as pastors, we've been praying about what God would have us to do. And we think he might want us to meet here for church. And he might want us to, to renovate this. And we're looking around. You know, I'm looking. I'm giving a sober stare to all the leaders there just to see where the faith is and where it isn't. And, and I remember a response that struck me was Greg Miller started laughing. He's like, are you serious? Uh, really? And, and he's the architect. He's the guy I thought could see it if anybody could. But Greg started laughing. Like, okay. Uh, and, and that was not encouraging. Um, but, uh, but we began exploring and, and doing some investigating. And, and so we started saying, you know, it seems like God might have us do this. It, it's laughable. He's already laughing. And, and he's going to get the lead role in, in doing this project. But uh, 
We started talking to banks about the money that would be needed to renovate this place. And guess what? There, there was not a bank that would come near us. They, they saw our budget. They saw our, our credits and our savings. And, and they're just like, uh, no, thank you. Um, you know, we're waiting for the bubble to pop here. And we don't want to add anyone else to this. Um, but they, they wouldn't, no one would finance us. And, and so eventually, though, some, some guy, uh, uh, another Christian brother in our churches, he said, you know what, I'll, I'll give you a loan. And he ended up financing us the amount of money that we need. And he said, by the way, I'll do it five-year loan to you, interest-free, the exact amount you need. And, and that was one piece that God brought into place. And then we had to start doing cleanup. And we brought mission team, number of mission teams came out to clean up this junk. There's, there's one of the signs we had here as well. This, was, this came with the building. I held on to this sign. It's in my garage. Bless this mess. Lord, bless this mess. Um, and, and we began working. And we began doing some fundraisers. And we had a small church. The church was a lot smaller then than it is now. And over the course of two years, we raised um, $100,000 as a church just to put into some of the things needed just to get our feet on the ground. And, um, and God continued to bless. And uh, over the course of that year, after the laughter, it was that following April when we opened the doors for a grand opening Easter service. And, and we look back on that, and it's just amazing what God did, but it was definitely laughable when we first looked at it. And, and I think God would have some things like that ahead of us as a church, and there's some things we, we think He wants to do. But the point is, in all of this, um, we're... We need to trust God for the laughable this year. In 2015, I think there's things God would have you do personally and us do together. And we need to just ask God about it and identify those and, and move on. And so I'm going to give you three really, uh, there's four steps. The first one's identify. The, the next three are kind of just some practicals here of, of how we can go about this. But when it comes to, um, you know, trusting God for the laughable here, we need to ask God to give you a promise. When you look at your life, when you look at the area you think God wants you to engage with, ask God to give you a promise related to this, whatever it is. And, you know, love this classic promise here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He goes on to talk about how even selfish parents can give good gifts to their kids. How much more will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? God wants you to take a faith step and, and a promise would really encourage you in that. Do you think your father would, would be good enough to give that to you? I think he would. I think you've got to ask. Ask him for a promise related to whatever it is you think he, and, and everything you want him to trust you with. I know for me, as I've been thinking about our church and looking at all the opportunities and looking at our resources, and, and I've just been a little overwhelmed over Christmas this year, I was just praying, God... Uh, one of our challenges was financially. We Things were getting really tight. Uh, October, I think, that was one of the tightest months we've ever had as a church, going, am I going to get a paycheck? Okay, uh, we got paychecks. All right, are we going to pay the bills this month? Uh, we paid the bills. Are we going to pay the, the last bill? And we paid them all, and it was really tight. We did a fundraiser. We taught on it. And over the course of the next three months, it seems like God has... Uh, filled in. He's increased the finances. Some of you have took steps of faith to begin tithing and giving a tenth of your income. Or some took steps of faith to give an offering beyond that. And, and here we are three months later and financially God has responded and we have this crazy thing called a buffer and stuff like that. And yes, it could still grow, but, but that's been encouraging. But the one I wrestle with the most is the people resources. I look at all these opportunities and I think about launching a, a Firehouse South location and we experiment Experimented with that, but in some ways I come back to the people and I go, 
All right, God, uh, so we had a great turnout down south, 40 to 50 every time we, we did a, a service down there, and, and yet that took away about 40 to 50 people from this room here, and God, I don't get it. How, how could you do this? I think you want to do something. I have no idea how, and as I was reading my Bible this over Christmas, you know, this is one of the questions. I'm like, Lord, I don't know, and it doesn't make sense, and, and I came across this verse here, Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 6, and I felt like he spoke to me related to some of the things before us. But he says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies? And I just felt like I was like, Lord, you're right. This seems very impossible to me. Other translations, NAS says this seems difficult. Yeah, it seems difficult. And yet, I think God's saying, yeah, it really would be without me. But with me... Is anything too difficult? Is anything too hard? Is anything impossible for me? And I just felt like, to me it was a sense of, I have no idea how, but I think God has some things He wants to support us in this year as a church, personally. So ask God to give you a promise related to some of the things that are facing you. Another step here is pretty basic. Um, read God's Word daily to feed your faith. You know, we, we need to begin reading the Bible in such a way that we're looking for a promise. That we're looking for um, things that would feed our faith. Um, you know, and this is, this is kind of an obvious one. You might go, yeah. You know, I would throw in some words here. Maybe begin to read God's Word daily. If you have never started a habit of daily reading God's Word. Some of you, I would say this, begin to read God's Word daily again. Some of you have been there and done that when you were single. You were in this habit. You got married. You got jobs. You got kids. And guess what? This habit is not happening. And yet we think we're going to live the same way that we've always lived. And I want to let you know, if you're not reading God's Word daily, um, you're living a malnourished Christian life. And your faith will be malnourished. It'll be impoverished. It'll be all those type of things. If you and I are not reading God's Word together. And, and many of us could do a teaching on man shall not live by bread alone. But we ought to get back to doing that if we're going to believe God for the impossible. Believe God for the, the laughable has to do with feeding our faith, finding promises. Uh, in reading Bill Bright's book here, he talks about seeking his face. And I don't know, I heard that phrase before. It's in the Bible, seek his face, seek God's face. I didn't exactly know what that meant. I feel like uh, I came away with some new insight on that recently. But, you know... It's the idea of seeking to see God for who He really is. He has a quote like this that, that I really liked. He said, um, related to seeking His face here, just to seek God's face is to meditate on His sovereignty, His holiness, His power, His wisdom, His love, getting to know Him as He is. And I think you and I need to grow in getting to know God who as he really is. And we've got to do that by feeding our faith. And as we read the word, just realizing, wow, God was really sovereign in that situation. Or really gracious in that situation. And so many examples here. Reading about Sarah and Abraham and the times where he comes up with these plans to, to tell the you know, people he's living with, hey, she's my sister. You know, I know she, she's my wife and I think you guys might try to take her and kill me and, and all that if I'm out of the equation. So he came up with the whole the harebrained scheme about saying, yeah, she's my sister. And um, I love one, you see Abraham's humanness there. He did a lot of really cool things, and yet he was still very human. He had a lot of fears related to these guys stealing his wife or whatever. Um, but in that, I see God's sovereignty, and God intervened. Not because he was silly, not because he was foolish or had some plan like that. 
God is very sovereign. God is very gracious. This passage, it talks about how, how God ended up in the wake of Abraham's fears and, and silly plan. God, he, he gave him a bunch of cattle and sheep and gold. And he, uh, he gave him the pick of the land that he wanted. And then he gave him a thousand pieces of silver. All graciously in response to some situation that Abraham got himself into there. And I just came away from that going, you know, it's... The point, sometimes we focus on, oh, I can do really dumb things, just like Abraham. Let me go figure out what I can do next. But the point is, it's not a, the focus is not there. It's on God is able. God is sovereign. God is gracious. God is powerful. And we need to feed our faith, nourish our faith on things like that. The last thing I want to talk about here is just, we need to ask God for his marching orders. When it comes to trusting him for the impossible, we need God's marching orders. We need to ask him for for his marching orders for you. Sometimes we go, God, yeah, let's do the impossible. Let's, and I've got the, I've got a great idea, God. And now, great big thing. I know you want me to do, and I'm going to go do it. And that doesn't usually work so well. Been there, done that. Um, but ask God, God, what's what's your marching orders here? What's your game plan? I love this with the Apostle Paul. His response after. Kind of seeing this light from heaven. God in, intervened in his world. And, and Paul says, um, what shall I do, Lord? And I asked, get up. The Lord said, go to Damascus. There you will be told all that you've been assigned to do. You know, and, and believing God for the impossible this year, you've got some assignments in that, some obeying things to do. You know, there's really two parts to the... Oops, get these out of order here, but... Um, Two parts to this God's game plan, God's marching orders. He, he will reveal to us what he needs to do. God is the one that does the impossible. And then he has us usually do something that takes faith, something we have to obey and that maybe we're fearful about. Um, but our part is doing what God asks us to do. And then God's part is usually the supernatural. He, he's the only one between you and I and him. He's the only one that does the impossible. And, and yet he wants us to trust him for that while we're called to do ours. And I just think about a, a number of stories in the, in the Bible here. Just think about Moses and how he had this big, gigantic Red Sea in front of him, a huge army behind him. And what was Moses' part to do? God said, Moses, raise that dinky stick you have in your hand. Raise it up. And you raise the stick up. That's your job. And I'm going to carve a channel of dry land right through this sea and... And then once you guys pass through there, you put your stick down, and I'm going to have that wall collapse in. And in the process, a giant army will be destroyed, and your people will be saved. And Moses' part was to hold up the stick. And it wasn't that the stick had special power, and he did, you know, the, I don't know, some sort of Captain America thing. And it was, just hold up the stick, Moses, and and I'm going to part a sea, and I'm going to destroy an army that wants to kill you. And, And that was his part. Joshua faced a city of giants with a a huge walled city that the giants were hiding behind, things like that. And he said, Joshua, here's your marching orders. You go up to the city, I want you to walk around it once a day for six days. And the seventh day, walk around it seven times. And then I'm going to intervene. And so Joshua did his part. He just marched around the wall. That was his marching orders. Kind of silly um, for a guy who was a fighter, who was a, a commander of an army. And, and that was his marching orders. And God caused the walls to crumble. He instilled fear on their enemies and, and they were routed there. 
His part was just to march, and God's part was to intervene. And so many stories like that throughout the Bible here. King Jehoshaphat, I love his story here in Second Chronicles, facing a huge army. And, and by the time the dust settled, he said, you know, Lord, we don't know what to do. We're looking at you. By the time the dust settled, the game plan was Jehoshaphat had some singers go out in front of the army. So they were singing and praising the Lord. Um, what does it say here? Uh, you know, verse 22 of that passage says, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and, um, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. They rose up against... Uh, the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir and destroyed and annihilated them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. You know, the game plan there? Send the singers out. And I'm going to destroy a couple armies that would, are trying to eradicate you. And I think sometimes the game plan for us, it's going to be unique. Each situation it was a unique thing. But God has something he wants you to do. And my guess is for you and for me, it's going to be something we wouldn't naturally tend towards. Some of you are very driven personalities and you just go and get your list and get them done. And you know what your assignment's probably going to be? Uh, you know, God told Moses, he said, be still and I'll fight for you. Some of you, your job is going to be to be still, and he's going to do the work. Some other of you, I think of stories from uh, the judges there of Gideon and Barak, and some of them, Barak was very fearful. He said, I'm not going to fight unless this girl comes along with me here, Deborah. And, uh, and eventually, he charged. He charged down the hill with his 10,000 men, and it said, the Lord routed. And God called him to charge, a guy who wouldn't naturally charge. And God intervened again. But when you're facing some of these things, the impossible, my guess is it's going to probably have something to do with you doing something, obeying in something you wouldn't normally do. And then God will come through and do the impossible. But we've got our part to play and he's got his and we've got to ask him for this. And so, you know, whether it's something that God has for you personally or the many things that could be before us as a church here, we just want to go through this, identify it, and ask God for a promise. And begin feeding and nourishing your faith with His Word. And then, uh, let's ask Him for the marching orders. You know, I've been, as pastors this week, we were looking at all these opportunities. And, and we got a sense, and I have a strong sense that God wants to do some things that are beyond us. And you know what? Uh, if you ask me how, I'll tell you, I have no idea how. And I have no idea when. we got some, you know, well, we do have some ideas, and they're ideas at best. But we've been praying, God, we know this is not impossible for you. With us, it's very impossible. But how, God, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do this? And how do you want me to be involved? And when are you going to do this, Lord? And when do you want me to do my part? And those are things we need to be praying. And so as we face what God has before us here in 2015, I just invite you to join me in praying and applying these four steps here. And then entrusting God to do the laughable in 2015. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we, we just are excited about the plans you have for us. Lord, I thank you that for each one of us, I'm convinced you have a, an agenda, a list of things that you would do if we would trust you to do them. If we would ask you to do them. And God, I think there are things that would take us from the mundane, monotony of Christian lives that we often experience to, to things that would be the most adventurous thing that the human spirit can ever experience, Lord. And, and we just ask for your help, Lord. Help us to know what you want to do. 
And God, help us to know our part and your part. Help us to have promises that you've spoken to us. Lord, help us to be nourishing our faith on your character. Seeking your face, Lord. Seeking to see you for who you really are. And God, I just pray that you would unleash all that you want to in this church and in our lives. That you'd be glorified, God, by what gets accomplished in the year 2015. And we just ask for your your help, your grace in all of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for, for coming this morning and encourage you to go wrestle this out with God and don't forget to pray for the Broncos today as well. All right. Have a great day.